0: Jerry, good morning. Good morning. Tell me about the farm.
1: Well, we're a uh, cow-calf operation in a small feedlot, especially by national standards. We run 100, 120 head of cattle and cows and uh, have calves, and uh, then we finish uh, a couple hundred head in a feedlot here. So uh, we're kind of diversified, I guess you'd say, by today's standards.
0: How did your farm story start?
1: I grew up on the farm that we're working on right now, our own, uh, it's a long family held farm uh, moved back here to practice veterinary medicine and
0: kind of retired from that and uh, went into farming full-time you talked about being a smaller cattle operation and cattle prices you know two three four years ago cattle guys were really happy with the way things are going and since then things have kind of gone a little bit uh, downhill from there what's the current state of the cattle market in your area
1: well, we hope we're at the bottom. We've been in freefall for a number of years. Of course, when the western states had the drought here three, four years ago, and uh, they disbanded a number of herds and reduced, and uh, so everything's supply and demand forced the price of meat up and uh, beef. And uh, once we got through that drought, we responded by having more cattle, and uh, again, supply and demand says when you have too much of something, the price falls, and it has taken some very significant drops probably in the nature of 50 to 75 percent in some situations for calves and uh, finished cattle so yeah meat's a really good buy for the consumer right now but for the producer it's uh, kind of tough times but we hope those times are past us and uh, we start seeing a rebound
0: in uh, price of beef you mentioned you had about 120 head there on the farm in Newcomerstown, ohio how much has that fluctuated over the years
1: We've been stable or slightly growing, expanding as we acquire a little bit more land or pasture land becomes available, crop ground. So uh, in Ohio, we've been expanding steadily because we haven't faced the drought that some of the western states have. But for me, we've slowly expanded 2-3% a year,
0: I suppose. You mentioned the consumer a couple of minutes ago, and uh, boy, they're so important to what you do. If it weren't for them, you wouldn't uh, be producing beef. And and there's a message out there that farmers are getting to consumers about how their food is grown and raised. Uh, Consumers are wanting to know more and more every day about food production. So how do you approach that uh, with consumers there as a farmer? We'll talk about how you approach it as a vet here in a bit, but as a farmer, how do you connect with those consumers?
1: Nationally, one of the things we do is have what we call a checkoff, where a certain amount of each head, a dollar or two dollars per head, goes to uh, promotional efforts nationally and internationally. Of course, uh, locally, we just talk a lot to our neighbors, to the folks we uh, come in contact with, and uh, I'm involved in both markets. I sell to uh, a large operation that Slaughters a number ahead head per year, and then also I sell some freezer beef. So uh, I deal directly with consumers that way and folks and uh, can address their concerns about the way the beef is raised and the quality and health of the animals and all that kind of thing.
0: Animal welfare has been a topic that's been covered all over the country, but in your part of the country, there in the eastern part of the Midwest, you developed an Ohio Livestock Care Standards Board. The state put that together a few years ago. Tell me about that. You're you're a part of that board.
1: Yeah, that was a uh, actually it was a ballot initiative and, an and uh, created a uh, addition to the Ohio Constitution to create this board, and uh, that was back in 2010. So I guess it's six seven years old now. Farm Bureau was a big supporter of that, along with a lot of the other uh, commodity and uh, farming organizations. And the idea was to get a broad group of uh, folks together, not just farmers, not just educators, not just veterinarians, but uh, for instance, the board that was created has someone that's uh, involved with a high food pantry. Uh, we have a couple folks from local humane societies on it. So it's a very broad panel of 13 folks, being more than just uh farmers or or veterinarians.
0: What are some of the issues that have been looked at and tackled over the last, as you mentioned, seven years?
1: Well, again, a national issue was uh, veal, how that's raised. That market has come under a lot of pressure, especially uh, with the new standards coming into effect of uh, banning veal stalls and going to loose housing for veal calves. Cage uh, layers, uh, that issue, how we handle that and standards we have for that. Another one was gestation stalls. Uh, These are stalls that sows are put into when they're bred and when they're uh, pregnant. Those have been phased out, or at least the amount of time that the sows can be put in has been uh, limited, and the industry's adjusting to that. So, those are some of the issues we face all livestock animals from alpacas to to goats to cattle to uh, swine, all livestock. Animals are included in the standards.
0: You worked for years on everybody's farm as a vet in your area, and uh, it turns out that 2017 is going to be a busy year for vets all across the country. January 1, a brand new uh, rule came into effect called the Veterinary Feed Directive. It's going to make uh, prescribing feed to livestock a little bit more difficult. It has to be done through a veterinarian. Describe for me what this new rule is all about and, and how farmers are getting prepared to put it into place? Basically,
1: the motivation behind this was uh, the concern about uh, super-resistant bacteria in human and animal populations. That's kind of the uh, bottom line impetus for the whole thing. And what this does now is require that uh, any feed that has uh, humanly important antibiotics in it be uh, prescription basis in other words uh, if you want need to feed uh, to to livestock such as hogs or cattle uh, you have to have a written prescription that the feed mill has to have that then they can mix this feed up and describes what animals it's supposed to go to how long it's supposed to be fed what the withholding time is but the bottom line is to to reduce uh, the chance of uh, resistant organisms coming about for these uh, humanly important antibiotics. Uh, understanding that animal agriculture, is, it's pretty well been proven that they're not the major source of resistance, but uh, agriculture wants to take on uh, their responsibility and they're part of preventing resistance. To these uh, antibiotics.
0: So uh, that's the direction we're going in. From what I'm hearing, livestock producers are ready, and this is now a law, and it's in, put into place here in 2017, and everything's going fine on the farm. It's also my understanding, Jerry, that there's a need for large animal vets all across the country. Are there enough vets to go around to meet these uh, new rules and, and get everybody on the same page?
1: No, there's a real need for veterinarians. Of course, when we think of large animal vets, a lot of times we think just of the practitioner out in country uh, serving rural agriculture and and livestock farms but uh, they're also involved in exotic disease control uh, domestic disease control with the federal and state government they're involved with meat inspection Uh, there's many many facets that uh, food animal veterinarians can get involved in and are needed and so yeah there is a there is a huge demand for uh, food animal veterinarians and we know that a very large percentage of the students graduating end up in pet animal or small animal practice so yeah there is a limited number of graduates in in food animal production.
0: Jerry Lammers, he's from Newcomerstown, Ohio, Tuscarawas County. That's the uh, eastern part of the state. Jerry's our featured farmer this week and appreciate your time and, and all you do there on the farm and all you've done on the farm over the past few decades. And thank you for being a part of Farm and Country Radio today.
1: It's a great group to participate with in agriculture. There's no question about that. Thank you.